Hi everyone, and welcome to In At The Side, episode 11. I'm JK, and I've taken over the show this week. I'm joined, as always, by the usual faces of Dom Hardman and Scenario Neil. This week's guest will be known for this on live TV. Uh, to uh, get ahead of their uh, limitations, I'm struggling with this one, Bath at the moment. Uh, forgive me, we're having an absolute nightmare. Uh, Bath perhaps struggling to get uh, together with their... Uh, I've had an absolute thing. I'm sorry, apologies. We are joined by the Lord of Rugby Broadcasting, Mr. Alex Payne. Alex, how are you doing? You fuckers. Um, I was doing quite well. I sort of come onto this with a slight sort of, um, yeah, looking forward to a good chin wag, and you stitched me up on, on minute one. So, um, <laughs> well, you should you know, be used to that. You're doing, doing pretty well. Watching you fluff your intro, it obviously goes to show that, um, you know, even uh, sure even average Joe has his day. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm delighted to be here in inverted commas. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be back at some point, given uh, that will go on the bloopers reel at some at some stage in the future. So obviously, uh, isolation happening. How are you getting on with things? Um, what's new with you? What, what, how are you doing? Keeping yourself busy? Uh, that's a very good question. I have. Uh, well, I've got a business, so that's keeping me very, very busy. Um, not all of it is forward progress, but lots of it is, um, yeah, very time consuming. That's that's the sort of heavy duty stuff. And then I've got a, uh, a wife of uh, 12 years and there's been a, a fairly hefty to do list that's been <laughs> generating for, for large parts of that. And now that I'm at home, most of the time, she's got me painting, creosoting, mending, oh, wow. digging, planting, all those kind of things. So, um yeah, it's pretty full on at the moment. Um, I mean, these are crazy days. I don't know whether you're all experiencing the same thing, but it's um, it's a very weird world to be living in right now. I, I, I think we're definitely living history, but yeah, I'm not necessarily sure it's the kind of history I want to be living. But um, yeah, interesting times for sure. Yeah, certainly. And I know, obviously, I, I work from home most days anyway, so I don't get away with not doing stuff, which is a pain in the backside sometimes. Obviously, office life is beckoning, I'm hoping. Um, but no, things are definitely definitely weird. Queuing up at a shop, don't think I've ever done that in my Very life. odd. Very odd. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm getting used to running out of bed at 12 noon, though, most days. <laughs> but that's normal for you, isn't it? Huh? It's normal for you, isn't it? Yeah, Saturday and Sunday, maybe, but seven days a week is great at the moment. You've obviously not got kids, or maybe you do, and they're, they're, they're able to no. entertain themselves. Mine are up at six most mornings. So, um, yeah, the days have got lying with glorious. Half four this morning for me. Oh, wow. you had a light. Six, six month old decided he didn't want to sleep through for the first time in a few weeks. So that was uh, an interesting time. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to offer you sympathy, JK, but I've been there and I've done it. And um, <laughs> this is coming from me to you, I can tell you. Oh, this is my fourth time. So I'm a glutton for punishment. Wow. Yeah. 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 All the boys. All boys as well. And I'm the opposite. Yeah. I've got three daughters, all girls. Lovely, nice little sevens team there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm not exactly. any boys near my girls. No way. Oi! <laughs> Whoa, my boys are absolute diamonds. <laughs> I know they're dark. So, um, obviously, one of the biggest names in uh, rugby broadcasting, just to get uh, an idea of how that all came about, how did you uh, start off with everything like that? That's a very good question. How did I start? Um, so, I... I was always a sports nut, played lots. Um, I was a sort of dedicated, um, I was, I was keen, keen, enthusiastic, but limited with ability. Um, but a huge sort of... Like Dom. Like, oh. apparently so. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was, I was a sort of regular Saturday afternoon. I used to get up in the middle of the night if there was a game to watch. I, I, um, 
I'm not sure I should admit this publicly, but I probably had two or three hundred games recorded on VHS back in the day when um, wow. when that was a thing. Um, devoted Sunday afternoon rugby special watcher, the days of Chris Rear and John Inverdale. So, I, you know, I, I was very, very passionate about the sport. And uh, I curiously decided to do history of art at Edinburgh University, which, which doesn't segue that naturally into sports broadcasting. But um, I knew I wanted to work in sport. I, I actually, funny enough, originally wanted to be a sculptor a little left field curveball for you but uh was never going to be the next sort of henry moore or, or anything like that so so realized that a proper sort of job would be in sport went to work for various agencies went to work for various i went actually did some work experience at bath rugby club but wrote to sky back in the day when they had the whole lot um and was lucky enough to get picked up for a little bit of work experience so i went to two weeks work experience there um just literally doing everything from making cups of tea to logging videos and highlights and that kind of thing um and one of the benefits of doing work experience at sky in those days is that we back in 2000 whatever it was, 2001 they had the six nations games at twickenham so I ended up at twickenham on england france game day and just was like this is it this is the bug this is this is what i want to do yeah um i was 21 i was halfway through uh, halfway through university but so i did a two weeks work experience i said that i've got nothing else to do i'm happy to stay on so i did a extra month with them in my holidays um and at the end of the, the sort of whatever it was five six weeks i did with them i said that if i'm in australia for the lions tour in 2001 um can i kind of work for you guys and they said yeah brilliant we'd love to have you out there that'd be great um you've got to get yourself out there look after yourself but we'll employ you on game day so i had three guys who i was playing rugby with up in edinburgh we hired um I, course, I can't remember an old banger and followed <laughs> tour up and down the, the um, east coast in this old banger and on game day i found myself working for sky on the lions tour and wow. the, the real fire was lit i don't know if you i don't know how back your how far back your memory goes but the gabba 2001 the first test um i was meant to be in a porter cabin pressing buttons logging tackles and you know, turnovers and that kind of thing for the sats and none of the kiss arrived because it all got stuck in customs. And 15 minutes before kickoff, there was nothing for me to do. I'd made my last cup of tea. Everyone was sort of getting into game mode. And a very kind sort of uh, fixer said, look, there's nothing for you to do. Here's a pitch side pass. Go, go, go enjoy yourself. Yeah. And I was 21 years old, walking around the outside of the Gabba 10 minutes before Australian Lions kicked off. And I don't know if you remember that day, but it was the day that, the Lions fans dominated Australia. It was absolutely extraordinary. Um, and I ended up sitting at the end of the Lions bench on a spare seat next to the likes of Dawson and I think who else was on the bench that day. Healy, I think, was on there. Uh, and I was just like, this is this is unbelievable. This is like every every dream come true kind of thing. And that was that was the point I realised that sports broadcasting was was the one I wanted to go for. And then it was just a case of working, peddling your way, being in the right place at the right time, a huge amount of luck. Um, but I think if you work hard and you're in the right place, um, then you get lucky. So, um, yeah, that was where it all began. And a lot of people would tell you I should probably still be making the tea and the coffee. And I, I don't think <laughs> that. But, um, yeah, they were, they were magical days, magical days. Yeah, I can imagine. And obviously, so is, that, is that the route that you, obviously, if you were to advise any budding broadcasters um, who would look to get into, the, into a similar role is look at getting that work experience in, offer yourself uh, as much as possible and work your absolute arse off basically and see where it gets you. Yeah, I, I think, you've, I think you've, you've pretty much nailed it. It is hard work. I think, I think almost the most important thing 
is that you've got to have a real passion for whatever it is that you want to broadcast. Um, I would never have made it in music or or film necessarily. I, I love both, but I've just not got the depth of knowledge that I do for sport. And that, that passion point that gets you up at two in the morning because that's when there's an interesting game to watch. I uh, haven't necessarily got that anymore, but you have to absolutely be prepared to commit yourself to it. And, you know, I, I love sport in general, but I was particularly passionate about rugby. And that worked for me because you end up making a huge amount of sacrifices to pursue that dream. I mean, I started at uh, a week after I left university, I started as a runner at Sky. And that is taking scripts around to various studios. It's collecting sandwiches. It's making tea and coffee. And you're doing that some pretty antisocial hours. Uh, that is, you know, late nights on tennis overnight shifts. It's, it's almost every single weekend. And as a result of that, you miss out on your big Friday nights and you miss out on your friends getting married and you miss out on, you know, 25th birthdays. But for me, it was an absolute no-brainer. I was never really that worried about it. Um, and that, that, I think, is the key to it. You have to be absolutely passionate. And in order to get to the point that you then start talking to you know a big audience about the things that you love it is the hard work it's networking i think manners are absolutely essential i think um it's extraordinary how often and i can i can think of five six seven people on off the top of my head people who who sat on me pretty hard when i was a runner who and i it happened very very quickly for me i was very very lucky and, and with hindsight it probably happened too quickly but i went from t-boy to reporting on the 2005 lions tour in about nine months and that is wow. with no training no experience anything but there were various people who were pretty hard on me as a runner who within a year were suddenly bringing me the tea which is a very odd <laughs> <laughs> I bet you had a big um, grin on your face when that happened well no because you don't want you don't you know you don't want to be that guy but i i think that the advice that you hand out is that you, you need to be polite and courteous and respectful yeah. of everybody because you never know when I'm they'll be above you or you'll necessarily be above them so work hard and be passionate yeah, and that kind of I think that plays into into most um, most worth it, work ethics, even just outside of broadcast and rugby. It's, it's all about making sure that you find something that you're really good at and absolutely nailing it as much as you can. Obviously, nine months, Jesus Christ, being thrown in from T boy to presenting, yeah. been absolutely bricking it on that day. Do you know the funny? It's funny. I I don't often look back, but I look back now and I can remember doing my first um, live cross from the touchline. It was Bay of Plenty against the Lions in the 05 mm. Lions tour. And I, I, I would not be lying to you to say that I didn't sleep for two or three nights before. Okay. And we're talking about a minute and a half, a minute and a half cross. Um, and I just, you know, I was so out of my depth. It was frightening. Um, and now you move from being terrified by the scenario. And funny, Jim, the other thing, I would, the other bit of advice I would give um, mm. And I don't mean it to come across as flippant, but fundamentally, none of it really matters. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I've had some, as you have very kindly alluded to already, I've had some monumental yeah. fuck-ups on air. And the <laughs> truth of it is that, you know, you go home, you're talking about sport. The sun comes up. I hope my wife still loves me. My kids will say goodnight. <laughs> and, and, and if anything, you know, what we're living through at the moment is you know, it's symptomatic of the fact that there are some far more serious issues out there that actually yeah, do me. attention. And actually, we spend a lot of our lives worrying about things that, who cares, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I'll go find another job. I mean, I have lived the dream. I've flagged my way through it. Um, none of it really matters. That's, that's the truth of it. And when you take that pressure off, 
it's amazing how much you begin to enjoy it. I used to hate reporting. Uh, now I just love the ability to tell big stories, <laughs> and big game yeah. days to, to big audiences. Yeah, yeah. and I think um, obviously current times is, is kind of showing, and I think we spoke to a lot of the Premiership rugby players now uh, who are saying the same thing is, and I think Sonotti Sonotti yesterday nailed it on the head when he said, I'm not rugby at the moment. There's bigger things, and I'm obviously spending the time with my family. And that, especially coming from sports people, even from the amateur game, obviously my wife, I can't believe she's still with me. The man I talk about rugby, do rugby, play rugby. It's, it's a big part of my life. And now I'm at home without it. It kind of brings it back into saying, well, rugby's not the be-all and end-all at the end of the day. Um, yep. Times that I'm spending now is the important thing. Your wife is a wise lady. I mean, my, my wife has been a... Don't let her hear you say that, please. Okay. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use the word. I wouldn't use the expression "rugby widow," but she has been. Um, you know, she's yeah. been pretty subjected to uh, to the day job for fifteen years. Uh, my wife could not be less interested in sport. I mean, if I go away on tour, uh, you know, I, 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 she asks where I'm off to as I leave with the bag, kind of thing. It's, it's just, <laughs> it doesn't register. It's not interesting to her, and, and, and in many ways, I love her all the more for it because yeah. the last thing I want to do when I come home, having been talking about the breakdown all day is have a wife who asks you about the breakdown. This is just like, yeah. not interested. It's one of those, good luck, have fun, and don't fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you do, I'll be here to tell you that you have fucked up. I, um, I will know. It's funny you played that, that clip from Adams Park, actually. I remember, I remember walking in through the door the day after that, or the, the night that happened, I got home from, from the game. Yeah. And I said, I, I was looking rather shell-shocked, and my, my wife was actually here with my sister. <laughs> And uh, I said, I've had, a, I've had an absolute shocker. And she was like, well, what do you mean? You know, you, you've said this before. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. I said, no, I've had an absolute shocker. And I'd sky plussed it. And I played it back. And she went, yeah, yeah, you've had an absolute shocker. <laughs> so at least there was no bullshit. There was no, there was no yeah. running from it. But um, that's what you need in a partner, though, isn't it? Someone who's yeah. brutally and you can you can rely on that. Because at the end of the day, it's, uh, yeah. you don't want someone who's just going to say, oh, no, no, I'm sure it's fine. You know it, you know it, yeah. Home truths are the, are the best, for sure. Yeah. Perfect. So, um, obviously, talked a lot about the current situation, the pandemic and so. What's your opinion, obviously, the finished, the majority of the leagues, obviously, Premiership Rugby is still seemingly adamant they're going to finish the season. What do you think, or what's your opinion on that? Is that the right thing to do? Or, you know, do you think we should just scrap it and start again next season? What's your What's your opinion? I mean, I'm a Bath fan, so I'm quite happy to just call it quits and uh, we'll see you next season. I think they should be carrying on so they can push up. (laughs) Control, delete. I mean, it's... I I mean, I don't know. I I would hate to be a suit at the moment. I think, you know, they're they're worrying about trying to finish seasons and they're trying to to put plans in place. But there's absolutely no... I mean, I'd I'd be amazed if they finish this season. I I think they just have to control... Keep saying expression control or the whole thing. I, I, funny enough, I think the rugby landscape that we come back to will be very, very different to the one that we've left. I cannot see a way in which the sort of status quo that we were all used to is 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 what we is what we get back to. I think there will be clubs that don't make it through to the other side. I mean, hi- hypothetically speaking, we're talking about eighteen months of, of interruption here, and I think we'll be yeah. let out to play for a couple of months, and then the numbers will go up, and they'll say, right, everybody back inside for a month. I mean, how the, I mean, fundamentally, how do you get players fit for that? How do you give players two months on, one month off, or whatever it's going to be? I'm not sure you'll be able to get crowds back in in the scale that, 
we would be used to. Yeah. Um, again, they're not talking about letting crowds back into sporting fixtures until there's a vaccine. Well, that's that's 18 months away. Um, yeah. I, I genuinely, I am, I'm, I'm terrified for, I'm terrified for the status quo. Um, but the the sort of the gambler in me is thinks that rugby has to take this opportunity to get its house fully in order. I mean, we are. <laughs> Well, are we 25 years into um, professionalism? And I think long before COVID-19 arrived, there were some massive, massive issues in the game. Um, financially, huge, huge problems. Um, you know, and I, I just I just think that this is this is the sort of start again point. I'm sure you can finish the season if we can find out a way of doing it. I don't know whether it's the equivalent of the, the Duckworth-Lewis method. Um, I quite like the idea of a sort of a fives tournament or a spoof tournament or a or a rugby whatever it is rugby twenty tournament whereby I mean imagine if you could get your fans dialing in to watch Maro Toje well she's got a lot to play for now Maro but you had um, you know Jack Noel playing against um, you know Cobus Reinach at Northampton and it was literally a game of spoof or a game of rock paper scissors to see who goes through to the semi finals I mean that'd be unbelievable yeah we could tell you that um, I, I, I think I, the, the honest answer is who knows what, what we're going to end up with. I would be amazed if they finish this season and I'd be very sad if this is not the point at which rugby says, right, let's root and branch, start again, make sure we get it right across the board. Yeah, and England rugby uh, mentioned they were going to have a loss season in terms of finances. Obviously, with COVID-19, obviously that's going to be a hell of a lot more. Is this going to impact the championship more and downwards into grassroots, uh, grassroots rugby, you think? Uh, yeah, it's funny you, you mentioned that we're actually doing a, a sort of podcast, House of Rugby podcast tomorrow. We've got these little short sessions that we do. And we're, we're talking to you know a, a president of a grassroots rugby club. Mm. Um, I mean, it's inevitably it's going to have a huge impact. Um, I've got a I've got a sort of a, a sympathy for the RFU. I think they do some very very good good work and I think they give out a phenomenal amount of money I mean people forget they're a not-for-profit not organisation and they are there to fund yeah. grassroots rugby now yeah. you know it's it's not easy particularly in a, a World Cup year when they lose all their autumn international revenue um, you know they've got they've got some big challenges as an organisation um, but yeah I mean it, it is inevitable it's, you know, it's wherever you look at the moment people have got challenges so I think um, you know, I think the grassroots game is inevitably going to be suffering. I mean, it's it's the, the problem with rugby at the moment is there just isn't a huge amount of money going around. You know, um, there are some very talented players at the very top of the tree who are doing pretty well for themselves. But elsewhere, you know, even in the Premiership, there are that middle tranche of player, um, you know, has, has suffered hugely. We, we had a, did a show the other day with Luther Burrell, who's obviously now at Warrington Wolves. Um, you know that that middle tier of player, the guys who want to be on big money because they are club statesmen and they've played a few internationals, they're just not getting value now. From um, they're not getting pick up, they're not getting interest because so much money goes on the superstars. Yeah. And if you know if you are a middle tier man, well, it's too expensive to pay you, and therefore we'll just go with an academy kid who might not have quite the same ability, but costs us a fraction of the price. So. It's just sort of symptomatic at the moment. The game, the game just hasn't got a lot of money in it, um, and I, I do worry for grassroots clubs, and I do worry for for what that long term implication is going to be. Yeah, it's going to have a lot of restructures, isn't it? Yeah. 
We were speaking. To, sorry, we were speaking to um, Lewis Lowe the other day, and he uh, was mentioning the the finances at Gloucester, uh, what they have to do. They've been asked to do, you know, wage cuts and that sort of thing. From your uh, knowledge, is that is that completely across the Premiership? Is it is every club sort of bringing that into effect? Do you think, or or was it just? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Saris have announced literally just before we started recording this that they've yeah. furloughed their players. They're deferring payments. Um, Worcester already done it. Worcester. I mean, I say I think have have been quite quick to act on as well, and then Northampton have have had to had to sort of um, change payment terms, etc. It, it, it's again, I just go back to that. It's not just rugby. I mean, we can we can shine the microscope on it. Um, you know, it is just unsustainable for a a sport and a business that is losing millions and millions and millions of pounds a year to continue to pay really highly paid athletes when there isn't anything to pay them for um you know there's no revenue coming in from uh tickets there's no revenue coming in from broadcasters um so it's the same it's not just that, is it? if you think about every rugby town you know gloucester northampton bath the the revenue that's generated on match day for you know mum and pop pub across the road and you yeah. know the, the restaurant down there, you know, it's not just the rugby clubs uh, that are suffering and, and and that sort of thing it's it's you know it's the, the, the economy nationwide sort of thing it's, it's well they're talking about this being the worst recession for 300 years i mean this is like I mean, how the hell do you get your head around we've been through two world wars in the last century and yeah. and what we're going through now is is considered to be you know a sort of a a a huge downturn even on those days um yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's very, very sad. And the reason that rugby gets a lot of pickup is because it's an escape. So many of us is a passion point. It's, it's what, you know, boats our Saturday afternoons. Um, and we haven't got that to turn to as an escape. And in fact, what we're seeing is, you know, the whole thing come under, under serious attack. And, and when your passion points and your, your, you know, your hobbies and your, 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 um, your escapes get attacked, that everyone feels that a little bit more, I think. But yeah, I mean, I, listen, I've got absolutely no answers for you. I think I think there are so many valid questions, but it's, honestly, it's just a case of wait and see. There are going to be, there are inevitably going to be some casualties. I mean, I, I read an article on uh, Nick Abendanen today, who's yeah, you know, saw that earlier as well. One of the superstars of the top fourteen. Mm. Uh, just all conversations have, have dried up. You know, he had two yeah. hot leads in Pro D two. He had conversations going on back here with the Premiership. He's thirty three years old. Still got exactly what it takes at that level. Yeah. Conversation going. Carl Ferns is another guy. I mean, there are going to be some guys who who have really, really um, sad and, and uncomfortable outcomes from all of this. No, definitely. And Scary times. Yeah, we're going to see. It. It's going to be months, years. It's not. It's not. It's not going to be a, a quick fix. It's going to be years on the line before we can get back to normality. Not just the country. Uh, not just for rugby, but you. You made an interesting point there about about the championship, and I think this does accelerate. You know, replacing. I think, um, you know, the RFU had already moved to, I think it was back in January or whatever it was, they, they'd half the funding and then they'd go put a bit more money back in. But the conversation had already, and the decision had already been made essentially. Yeah. Oh, Premiership and Championship to, to, to be separated. I and mean, that's an absolute inevitability now. Um, yeah. And I don't know actually, funnily enough, whether what we might be looking at here is, and it's interesting, you know, you look at the CVC money, which which is obviously. You know, there have been some big conversations going on. But if there is a smouldering mess at the end of this in six, 12 months' time, whatever it's going to be, there's either, I, and I think there's either the opportunity for a CVC plus possibly a broadcaster to club together 
pop a pound on the table and say, we will take all of this and we will build it from the ground up again. Mm. Um, I, and, I, you know, I, I think I think somebody will come in with money and say, this is this is potentially the way forward. Um, the other the other potential thing which we were mulling over the other day is whether somebody I don't know if you remember the Kerry Packer attempt back in 1995 to basically own rugby in the southern hemisphere but he went after the players mm. and he had he thought signed up the top 25 players in Australia New Zealand South Africa and was going to create this incredible league and then at the last minute there was a bit of a um, vault fast and they, they went back to their unions but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a you know a, a big money man who comes in or a you know, an organization who buys up the top 100 players in the world puts yeah. on a million quid each um and says right we'll build a competition around you yeah uh, there was there was talk, i think there was rumors in the past about the championship looking at things like um the pro, similar aspects like the pro 14 etc and kind of splitting off away from the rfu to basically say you ring fence well screw you so, yeah I just, I just, to be honest with you, that that feels, it feels like the conversation's just moved on so far now. I mean, I think there are so many different factions, and there are so many big personalities, and there are so there's so many friction points in rugby right now that unless this is the the opportunity to get everybody aligned on the same page, the global calendar that works, and with players playing less but higher intensity games. Um, then I, ultimately the game is just dragging itself off, off a cliff. You know, there are, there are, it is not interesting enough as a product and, and that will pain the four of us to hear it, but there aren't enough super fans out there for this to be sustainable and in its current form. It need the, the, the game works, um, big events sell, but this needs to be a blank sheet of paper and that, right, this is our opportunity to out of the, ashes of what was build something that works and is, is sustainable going forwards and becomes you know challenges the premier league football for back page space etc you know, yeah the moment we're no. not there no. yeah agreed and i think uh, it's it's going to be the next 12 18 months is going to be an interesting one i think sure that is that is an understatement <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah so moving away from rugby slightly um obviously you set up something rather new a bit different in the influence rugby. Yep. Uh, obviously, talk about that, how that all came about, what's it about, obviously, um, who, who obviously is driving that with you? Yeah, so that's, that's a, it's a good question, really. So I, um, I've always had an interest in business, um, sort of had about, uh, trying to think, but probably five or six, five or six little companies over the last 15 years. Um, some I've got to a point where Sold them, sold them for not much more than pocket money. Um, more, more than half went bust, or we just wrapped up. But I've always enjoyed tinkering. I've always enjoyed business. Um, I quite like the element of networking, etc. Um, and I, I sort of got into it more because I was spending so much time on the golf course and not getting any better. But I thought there had to be a sort of a slightly higher purpose to my life than just practicing my uh, my um, my backswing. Anyway, so the influence room came about from you know, an actual learning. Um, it came about from the world that I inhabited, which was, you know, broadcasting and that kind of thing. And it, it actually came about because I was given a box with 500 quid's worth of Star Wars merchandise in it. Okay. So there were books, games, DVDs, TV controls, all that kind of thing. And they wanted me to tweet, the Star Wars wanted me to tweet about the fact that they were showing the Star Wars omnibus back to back on a Saturday. So it's a really cool product that they spent time, money and effort putting together. 
very clear what they wanted, which was me to say to my Twitter followers, make sure you watch Star Wars the weekend. And yet I had absolutely no interest in Star Wars whatsoever. <laughs> I literally haven't seen it since I was seven. Uh, I put out some fairly tepid social media content at the best of times, but I did send the tweet for them and it got a whopping 12 likes. At which point I was like, what an utter waste of my time. My audience were like, well, how are you telling us to watch Star Wars? And obviously Star Wars were like, well, that doesn't really work. The whole point of the story is that there are too many brands out there running around and either throwing product at people who don't really want it. And again, the Star Wars one is a microcosm. I've been gifted lots of clothes by brands who want me to wear them on telly. And I've been given invitations to events I've got absolutely no interest in coming to. Um, and the more I began to research sort of inefficiency in the market, either there are brands tweaking loads of product campaigns, experiences of people who don't want it, or they're paying them an extortionate amount of money to talk about it. Um, we have built a site whereby essentially instead of Star Wars running around headlessly, what they do is they put their boxes on a site and they say, who loves Star Wars? Yeah. And they are approached by pre-vetted people of influence who are actors, actresses, models, musicians, tastemakers, chefs, explorers, lots of social media influencers, sportsmen and women. And those people can say, you know, I bloody love Star Wars. Please send me that box. I'll create some really lovely content for you. And I'll give a bit of a kicker to the fact that you've got this show on Saturday. Because for me, if that had been a Butch Cassidy and the Sundance or a Godfather box, I'd have absolutely loved it because those are the films. Yeah. That I what would they send in the Godfather box though? Like a horse's head? Or... Uh, I would have loved a horse's head in a box. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stuck it in the wife's side of the bed and that would have been me in the, in the, in the spare room for a year. But, but the point is that we've built a site which is much more about mutually beneficial partnerships. It's about brands finding out who need, love and want them. And mm. it's about influential people. Instead of receiving junk they don't want, they're able to self-select the brands they do. So if they want to go on a holiday or they want a free Deliveroo or they want to go to the cinema, they can use us to find brands that they genuinely are interested in and say, guys, I'd love to partner up. Here's how I'll create the content for you. Let me know if that's interesting. So there's no money changing hands. It's just a really cool sort of beneficial, beneficial peer -to -peer thing. Exactly, peer-to-peer, -peer, word of mouth recommendation. And we do really interesting collaborations. Obviously, everyone's talking about an influencer nowadays as someone who's on social media and gets paid to post content. But we do loads of stuff with people who make personal appearances. We've got a very famous musician with us, and she did a, a really cool deal with, with uh, Range Rover where she got a car for a year, and she went to a few of their events. Um, she loved the brand. That was the brand that she really, really you know, wanted to work with. They yeah. said, brilliant, we'll sort you out with a car, but we'd love to have you at Goodwood. Um, you know, we'd love to host you at a couple of our events because you had Stardust and Glamour. So it's 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 very discreet. It's it's quite a sort of secret little community, but um, we're having a lot of fun with it. And it sort of feels more relevant than it's ever been now. Um, you know, advocacy, I think, is, is, is where every brand is heading. They need to be brave enough to put themselves in the hand of the people who say, love what you're about and trust them to tell an organic, authentic story that, that resonates with their audience authentically. Yeah, it ties back in when, when you were talking about getting into broadcasting and it was easy enough to do it because you absolutely love the sport. And yeah. Kind of the similar aspect with the influence room where yeah. they absolutely love what you're trying to do or what you're trying to sell or what you're trying to give. It makes it's it easy. Yeah. It's easy to sell it's what you're Yeah. And, and, and even more than that, I think if you look in, you know, you look at businesses that are booming at the moment, certainly were booming before, uh, before the last quarter but you know we, we are living in a huge sort of sharing society now Airbnb is a sharing platform Amazon is a shop sharing site Deliveroo is a food sharing service yeah, yeah. and we, we have an ambition to be a sort of global trading platform where people share their influence um, and actually that's for, that's for good purposes as well as for, for contra 
opportunities. So we, you know, we run charitable causes and campaigns through the site and people will support them because they genuinely believe in them and because they want to tell their audience about the, you know, the, the charities and the causes that, that touch them and, and that they want to back. So, you know, we, we talk about influential people obviously having a commercial element to what they do. Yeah. But if you're, inf- if you're interesting and you're influential, you should have the contra element, which is the stuff you want to do because you want to do it. And you support you should support ch- um, charities and causes because that is the right thing to do. If you have an audience who are engaged in what you talk about, you should be letting them know about the things that, that deserve the attention. At the moment, that is everybody talking about how much they love the NHS, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, I'm And obviously, circling on you know, the whole charity side, uh, obviously we alluded to you before we started recording. So we're being an advocate and given a big drive to a charity called Marshalling Men's Minds, which is yep. huge for men's mental health. But me personally, it's all about mental health for everybody. Obviously, given the COVID-19 we've got at the moment, what advice, tips and things you've got for people to keep their mind um, kind of ticking over and keeping them in the right frame of mind? Or if someone is starting to struggle, what, what kind of things would you um, advise them? So that is a very good question. Um, and there are people who are far more qualified than I am to, to sort of tell you how, how, to, how to make the most of it kind of thing. From, from a personal experience, um, you know, I consider myself fortunate. Is that, is that the right way to say? I don't know. Up until about sort of two or three years ago, I, I'd, I'd had a very good run of it, um, is the truth. Um, and then I had a sort of a, a series of setbacks, fairly, fairly fundamental setbacks. So I had a um, I was on a very good thing at Sky. They lost every single right they had going, and I was a contractor. Uh, and at the end of my contract, they said thanks very much, goodbye. And it was there was a bit more to it than that, but um, I sort of thought I was going to be kept on and be doing various other things. And I went into a meeting expecting to be given a new contract and was told thanks a lot. That's it. Um, and I will be straight up with you and say that uh, that absolutely clean bowled me. I was I was not expecting it. Um, yeah. Uh, interestingly, I, I also hugely associated myself with Sky. Um, I still do bits of bits of work with them now. Um, you know, and if, if scenarios come back around and change again, then I, I'm hopefully on very good terms with with you know with, with good people there, and then there might be a conversation to pick up. But I I had a huge a huge part of my identity was linked to Sky, so much so that my Twitter handle was at Sky Sports Alex P or something something like that. Um, Anyway, so, so the reason I mention that is that I was I was always aware that the media was a very unstable landscape, and hence my love of business and, and the um, you know the interest in getting something going. And I'd built the influence room to a point where you know I was almost stepping from one lily pad to the other, and I was patting myself on the back, saying, "Right, you know, you've lost that, but you've still got this." And within a month, the influence room was absolutely nosediving into oblivion, and I'd suddenly gone from being on you know a fairly good run of it and you know a job that took me took me away and took me to some very glamorous places i'd literally just finished uh, covering the lions to new zealand um and i'd gone from you know the highs of that third test and a tech business that was scaling very quickly to suddenly losing my my stability of my income from broadcasting and um, you know a, a business i put a huge amount of hard work into uh, really wobbling on all four wheels. And the reason I mention that is I, I ended up in a fairly, um, fairly challenging situation, I suppose. It's not something I've ever really spoken about in, in great detail before. 
But but what I learned from it, I think, is is several things. One of which, and it goes back to that fundamental um, that fundamental belief that actually none of this really matters. I put a huge amount of pressure on myself to have a certain expectation and a certain lifestyle and that kind of thing. And I just ended up stripping out all the crap from my life I didn't need. Um, and I genuinely mean that. I cancelled all subscriptions. You know, I just, just got rid of everything. Um, what else did I learn? I learned that, that you are very much your own person. And I'd been terrified of no longer being Sky Sports Alex P. Um, and actually what I realised was that I had a currency on my own. Yeah. which I, I'd never really recognised before. And, and I've been very lucky. House of Rugby has been more fun, more enjoyable, and better for me as a, as a broadcaster yeah. than, than anything I'd ever done at Sky. Um, I also got given some very good advice by, um, and I hope it comes across the right way. I spoke to a few people. There was a, a friend of mine who, who said, it's very hard to starve. And there are obviously people in, in far less fortunate positions than our ourselves and I don't mean it to be a flippant comment but essentially you know most of us are lucky enough to have a support network around us who will scoop us up in our in our times of need and I think you know I, I've been very very lucky I've got an amazing wife I've got you know, two parents who, I, who, were, who were very robust with me um, and I sort of got to a point where I sort of really enjoyed getting rid of all the my life and re-identifying, you know, re rediscovering my identity um, and realizing actually that I think simplicity is is a very very good way to be. I talk a lot about being in the middle lane to middle age, not going too fast and not going too slow. And actually, I'm really really comfortable there. I think we can all want for far too much. I think there are a lot of people out there who spend a lot of time worrying about what they don't have rather than concentrating on what they do. Um, and you know, fundamentally, I'm I'm lucky to have a roof over my head. I'm lucky to have a, a podcast that I love doing, a tech business I'm really proud of, a wife that is amazing, and two kids who, you know, fundamentally, we're talking about the NHS. My 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 dear darling daughter was was very very premature when she was born, and I owe, I owe her entire life to the NHS. I mean, literally, can put it no other way. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm incredibly fortunate. Um, but it's taken a seismic shift to my circumstance and to my expect my self expectations. To, to let me realise that. And I'm happier now with almost less than I've ever had than I was when I thought I was on a, on a trajectory where it was, it was all coming thick and fast. So that doesn't really answer your question, but it's what I've learned is that fundamentally we deal with a lot of crap and strip it out, concentrate on the things that matter and the people who you care about. And don't really worry too much about the incidental. It's why on social media, I just find it extraordinary that people spend so much time criticising, critiquing and messaging people, oh, things yeah. that they don't like. Yeah, exactly. It's madness. It's like you've got your own It's when people critique, you know, a show that we do and they say, I've watched that from front to back and I've absolutely hated every minute. It's the equivalent of saying, I've got my hand in a fire and it's burning. Well, <laughs> out of the fire, go and do something else. It's like, yeah. stop complaining about the fire. It's um, like, I just don't it. get it. I just don't get it. It's like ordering a meal at a restaurant, eating all of it, and then going, "Oh, that was that was awful. Uh, I don't want you know, take that back. I want a new one, please." You know, yeah. it's just, it's really life is very short. Concentrate yeah. on the things that matter, the people that matter, and the things that you enjoy doing. Stop wasting your time on on things that that just have no bearing or, or you know relevance to, to to who you are. Does that answer your question? hundred percent no, does. Uh, I know you said that you. You're not a professional, etc. That to us, it's not the 
it's not a be all and end all to us personal experiences help others and that's that's what it's about we, we do ask the same question to uh, all of our guests because you could go to a doctor and I'll say this this is a rigid thing you've got to do it doesn't work for everyone so the different scenarios that everyone comes up with the way that you've dealt with things the way that some of our other get that all helps and hopefully the message will get out there um, and someone will hear it and go yeah I need to I need to strip back and simplistic life is 100% correct more people think wealth is money cars house etc etc when realistically it's not it's family make sure you got roof over their head dinner on the table that's yeah. fundamentals and if you can get that in your mindset everything else is a bonus I mean, you know one thing i did do funny enough i was just gonna say one thing i did do which actually did help a lot was every day i wrote down three things i was grateful for or three things i'd enjoyed um and it's it's a really interesting reference point looking back at it now um but i would you know i would suggest that if, if people are thinking you know i'm fucking hating all of this you know the sun's shining the flowers in the garden and you know the, FaceTime with your nan or whatever it is, is actually, these are things, they are little pleasures. And I was, and I'm sure you guys are the same, I was guilty of running at 110 miles an hour and never really stopping to focus on the things that matter. You know, we are living, as I touched on it really, we're living in in the midst of an absolute crisis. And yet I've never spent as much time around the kitchen table with my family. And, you know, how much more really enjoying. Yeah, it's much more wealth. And I think, to me personally, one of the things that I found or I learned, I think I was listening to an old Navy, um, American Navy um, commando or wherever he was. And the first thing he said was to start my day to make sure that I was in the right frame of mind, I'd make my bed. So I could have the worst day in the world, nothing else would matter because I'd get back, get to my room and know I've achieved some one thing today and that's what I've made my bed. Dean Windus yeah. big advocate of that as well. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a whole city fan for my sins, although Jake will explain to that. Um, name, me, yeah. name, me, name me two other whole city players. That's <laughs> why <laughs> you're breaking up, Dom. You're breaking up, mate. Are we, are we talking very about the whole city? Very fashionable. I can understand. Are we talking about the time in Swansea where the whole city was walking down the promenade and you would not go get a picture with them, even though they stopped? <laughs> Do we want to talk about the, that? Long story short was we were playing rugby sevens in Swansea. I said to Dom, it's only touch. I might slope off early and watch the, the Swansea whole city game. And he was slating me for that. He said he's going to rip me for it, bring it up in kangaroo court and all that sort of thing. And so I, I, I declined because we had a few, too few players as well. I, I didn't go. And um, lo and behold, they actually came to watch us play. They were walking along the promenade. And JK, bearing in mind, I said, oh, yeah, I support Hull because my dad's from Hull and all this sort of thing. And uh, JK went, He's a whole fan like that, right? The manager came over to shake my hand. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know absolutely anyone. I mean, I'm, I'm Ruby Absolutely starstruck, weren't you? Faux fan. Very much a faux fan. Why else sit here if you're a faux fan? I don't know. But, um, and, I still, yeah. and I still <laughs> brought up the kangaroo court that evening. Oh, no, was the, yeah. <laughs> that was the night before. That was the issue. <laughs> oh, it was. Well, you nearly didn't make it out. Sorry. Come <laughs> back to the, the, the commentary side of things and that sort of thing. What is your outstanding your most favorite memory um based around rugby um from from your career one i've broadcasted or yeah. one i've just watched as a fan well, um either either really whichever i'll say broadcast i say broadcasted yeah broadcasted, I, I you know i will be honest with you i have a massive sweet spot for the lions they are i think they're the most i think they're the most special thing in sport um 
and I think they should be treasured at all all costs. It's a pinnacle of a uh, it's sad, Yeah, it saddens me enormously that they're chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. And I think it, it devalues the Lions. I think it makes the job harder for them. And I think it it removes, you know, there's so little romance and nostalgia and history in sport nowadays. It's so commercialised and yeah. fast and bright mm-hmm. lights. And the Lions is one of those last true sort of bastions of history. Um, so I would, uh, it, that day at the Gabba, I would say is is pretty hard to beat. I mean, it was just, you know, as, as a massive rugby fan and a wide-eyed, you know, student, it was just an extraordinary sensation to be there. From a broadcasting perspective, that second test in Wellington uh, in 2017 was pretty special. Um, That was a remarkable day. And actually, funny enough, that was all the more remarkable because, and I don't know if you remember this, but it sort of, it it crept out afterwards. We we had Surya McGeekin as our guest. Mm. And um, he's a ledge. He's just an absolute (laughs) ledge. He He is the most, most wonderful guy. And we'd gone down to the ground and I remember very clearly walking down to the ground. I walked down with our commentator, Miles Harrison from the hotel. It's a 45 minute walk. And we were just like, there's, there's absolutely not a hope in hell. You know, this is, you know, by, by eight o'clock tonight, the Lions tour is done. And, um, you know, it, it felt pretty gloomy to be honest with you. And we got to the ground and we're having sort of pre broadcast meal and poor old Geach fell ill, fell very, very ill actually. Uh, so much so he was rushed to hospital in a in an ambulance and it, it didn't look very good at all. Um, and as a result of that, what we were expecting to be a sort of, you know, we'd have an hour and a half to get ready and brought, uh, rehearse, etc. Just evaporated, like no one quite knew what to do. We weren't sure, to be honest with you, what, what the story was going to be. We were actually looking at abandoning what was going to be an hour's build up and, um, and just coming straight on air to kick off, um, you know, and there would probably be an announcement of sorts. Um, and it's it was it was the biggest broadcast I, I would have ever done. You know, second Lions test in New Zealand, I think, is, is yes. absolutely incredible. Anyway, eventually, about five minutes before we were due to be on air, and having not looked at a script or written a word or um, you know had not had a single rehearsal, the call came through that Geach was sitting up in bed and the show must go on. And so we literally rolled cameras and went live on air in front of everybody at home back having their eggs and bacon without, you know, without a minute of getting ready for it. And we did the whole crew just ran on adrenaline. It was absolutely extraordinary. And it turned out to be a really amazing broadcast. And we, you know, that that didn't often happen, but we sort of hit it out of the middle of the bat. And then the game itself just unfolded. It was, there was the most, every so often we had it, you you get it, there was just something in the air on game day. And England, New Zealand 2012 at Twickenham was another day where you just arrived and you thought, there is something a little bit different in the yeah, air today. And that's, that. yeah, you can feel it. Um, and that second test in Wellington was, was unbelievable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Special days. Uh, club games, Bath winning the European cup as a fan was, was, it's hard to beat. Uh, and the months wasps semi-final at Lansdowne road in 03 was not only an amazing day, but one hell of a night out afterwards. So, um, <laughs> Imagine. yeah, some special <laughs> I've been very, very lucky. And, um, you know, I, I could bore you senseless with, with hours of, of great days, but those are probably the four I'd pick. Fair enough. So, and in terms of, uh, I think I probably much imagine what you're going to pick. Uh, your most cringeful moment? Uh, <laughs> is, I wonder. Uh, is there another or is it? Is it well, that's a rhetorical question, isn't it? Um, yeah, so that was, uh, Adam's play was amazing, actually. And funny enough, you, you, I mean, it almost refers a little bit back to 
the question you were ask, asking earlier, I mean, it, it was sort of the day that I, re I really relaxed on air because I came home just like, yeah, it, it doesn't you know, matter. Shit happens. We all have bad days. You know, we all have shockers at work. Just we don't tend to do all tend to do it in front of half a million people. Um, and recorded. <laughs> and, re and record and live and recorded. Uh, At least you gave the nation a laugh. Uh, I'm very I'm very comfortable in that. Funny enough, yeah. So that would, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm fairly I'm fairly I'm, I'm fussed or flustered by it. Um, I actually fell off the stage in uh, in Dublin live on air a couple of years ago as well. That that didn't go terribly well, but that that sort of um, that was a bit more comical. Um, do you know, genuinely, the funny thing now, though, is, and I, I sort of take you back to being terrified of doing that um, that two-way cross back in 2005. I absolutely love it when it goes wrong now. I, I relish the day <laughs> when the whole bloody thing falls apart, because that, as a, as a broadcast, is, is the bit where you earn your money, you enjoy it. Yeah. You just have to go with what's happening. It's unscripted. It's, you know, that those are the fun bits. I love yeah. it when it goes tits up. Now. And as long as the producer's laughing, then you're all right. <laughs> well, well, yeah, normally a lot of the talk back issues we used to have at Sky, I can never hear the producer anyway. So <laughs> trying to keep up with where I was going. But a um, good producer is absolutely key to, to any good broadcast. Um, they are they're the silent eyes. Exactly. So obviously you, obviously you're on our podcast uh, today. You've got your own um, with Joe of House of Rugby. Um, yeah. How did that all come about? That's what I want to know. How, how did that happen? Was it kind of you ask, kind of talking about it? Was it you and then us kind of just followed? Uh, honestly, it was. Um, I mean, the, the truth of it is, I had. Um, I had a very good agent at the time, actually. He still does bits and balls in the end. He, he literally just threw me threw me their name and said, these guys are looking to do something in rugby. Do you want to chat? And I met um, a guy called Evan Fanning, who's the head of content at Joe. Mm. And we had a cup of coffee and he said, we want to do something in rugby. What do you think? And I, I've got, you know, my job on air is to ask questions and to, um, I always like to describe myself as the referee. The less you notice me, the better the show. And I'm, I'm very, very comfortable <laughs> with that. It's, it's, it's all about making, you know, I have a firm belief that it's all about making, making superstars look like superstars. Um, but I've got some quite firm beliefs on what makes good content and, you know, what makes engaging, interesting uh, subject matter. And I, I outlined a, an idea for a plan and he said, who would you get? And I, I, the two people I said would be really worthwhile getting a Haskell because he will take you places that no one else will. He will say things that, that no other modern player will do. 100 and Tins because he has got connections and, and a backstory and, and and a passion for the game. Hassan's got no interest in the game whatsoever. Um, <laughs> amazing energy and, um, you know, a lot of fun. And Tins yeah. has got incredible connections for obvious reasons and actually genuinely loves the game as well. He's, he, is a, he is a really sharp analyst of the game and you can see why he was involved coaching at Gloucester. Um, I think it's really sad that people like him and, and probably Greenwood as well, actually, you know, who are real. I mean, Greenwood is just an extraordinary visionary, mm. um, but they they don't they don't roll up this. I mean, Green's actually coaches at, at Maidenhead quite a lot, and I think it's, it's, it loves him at that level. But um, I thought, funnily enough, when Scott Robertson was in the frame for the Quinns job, that Will might get involved there. And um, I know he's been into coach England with Eddie Jones and stuff like that. I think the bits of him that dips his toe in and then he, he's like you know he makes far too much money on the corporate circuit why would you bother the hassle <laughs> yeah. uh, 
so yeah it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting dynamic but um yeah so that that was the, that was the question and then they, they went and spoke to Hask and said do you want to do it and he was like yeah that sounds quite good fun he was pretty un- unconvinced and, at the start uh, and lord just sort of you know wandered in said how we were doing and we got into it and it's it's been really fun actually just developing it it's you know it is a rugby show that doesn't really have that much interest or talk about very much rugby but we do like to talk about characters um yeah. and we love you know, we love unlocking interesting people. That's that's the key to it. Who's been your favourite one so far, then? Um, I don't know mine, but I'd like to Ryan. get yours. What's that? I said, I know what mine would be, but obviously it'd be great to know yours ben first. Ryan. Ben Ryan. Ben Ryan. Yeah. Um, we actually um, had an hour and a half with Matt Hampson last night as well, and that, oh, that tell you, is a, is a proper roller coaster. And I, I really, really enjoyed the one last night because Matt's story, and, and everyone in rugby will know, well, yeah. I mentioned it last night, I was actually there the day it happened. It was wow. just something that will live with you forever. I, think. Yeah. I remember, remember seeing um, the coaches' faces at the time. It's just shocking. But what was really fun about last night, Matt, Matt's story, and he's, he's told it unbelievably well over over a number of years now he's written an incredible book engage um you know and he, he's he has just I mean, i've never met a man who has turned such a, a seismic shift in, in in one's fortunes into such a positive force for good but what was really lovely about last night is that we were chatting to matt and it was it was just just chat and that was yeah. something i would really heard from him before um in a sort of public space with you know talking about all sorts of fucking weird stories. But it was really nice just to chat with him as a person rather than interview him about his story, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that, that one had great power. Um, I love Marla. I will always love Marla. <laughs> There's uh, my favourite one. I bet that was more than a dream between them two. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's a unique character. I think, yeah. uh, I think rugby needs to be very, very careful. I think, you know, I think it, it's a, he behaved like a prat in that England-Wales game, and he'll hold his hands up and say it. But oh, you know, yeah. he's social media, he's talking about retirement. It's just... Again. We, we are <laughs> we're in a world now where you are pigeonholing and, and just limiting characters. People aren't interested. Characters are what yeah, they people, you know, people want characters, and arguably that's what the game needs moving forward. Yeah. But, but why can we not say, Joe, you're a prat, don't do that again. Let's all yeah. move on. Why does it have to be... A week-long investigation and a three-month oh, ban and a twenty-thousand-pound fine. And just the mad, the mad, the mad one for me is that weekend. There was, I think, one of the Scottish props got an absolute hit to the head. Someone actually right hooked him. That's a cheap shot, wasn't it? Absolutely. And gets three weeks for it. Marla, oh, yeah, I mean, ten. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, you know, I I can understand that you you know you you can't you can't get things wrong because no. of Obviously, you should have been punished, and yes, I agree with that. But, but you know, let's do it with a, just a modicum of... I'm just sad that... Um, I'm sad for him because I know the guy, and I know he just... Yeah. He, he was being a dick, he wasn't being... Yeah. Just, there was just yeah. nothing more to it than a man being a prat. Yeah, you know, arguably, that's just probably a lot lot worse things happen on your grassroots rugby club on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right, perhaps, that, perhaps that is why they throw the book at him because, you know, yeah. nine million people watch that and they don't want every rugby club. Well, you've got a real of Exit uh, and their um, celebration with each other. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's exactly the same thing. Are they now going to go to them and say, can't do that? 
Well, I don't know. I don't know. We're on dangerous ground. This probably should come out, I suppose. But um, <laughs> so it's only an opinion. Don't, don't shoot me very exactly. No, everything's an opinion. Um, but no. Um, Perfect. I'm, I'm surprised, actually, because we've not had a scenario new yet. Yeah, you got oh, no, I was just being polite and waiting. You know, there's the scenarios <laughs> approaching. Go on, uh, Neil. Well, I need to get the edge of my seat. Scenario, Neil. Go on. Yeah, this was going to get a bit weird, so bear with me. Right. So, oh, God. Um, you've never met Hask. You've never met Tins before. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, in theory, they are the father of your lovely wife. Uh, you've not been married yet. You have to ask permission to marry. Who oh, are you so more scared of asking for the hand of uh, their daughter? Um, can I That's just add, you, uh, you have excelled yourself, Neil. That's actually an impressive one. That is. <laughs> Yeah, some of us are taking isolation better than others. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's only does asking, asking for the, the hand of their daughter in marriage is that the question? Yeah. Yes. Who would you be more scared of? For, and, and, Baron, and this is you've never met him before. This is you're meeting him as the father of, of your girlfriend slash fiance. Um, honestly, Hask, um, you yeah, would be Hask. Tins is a lovely guy with yeah. a pretty relaxed attitude to life, and I think he'd, he'd sort of welcome with a bear hug. Hask is an angry man who hates everybody who he doesn't know. Um, he's he's a, an enormous unit, uh, <laughs> an MMA fighter. Um, I reckon I reckon Tin's daughter comes with a bigger dowry as well, so I'd definitely go with Tin's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one I'd be more interested in proposing to. Um, yeah, Hask. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Hask, Hask is an angry man, and therefore I would uh, I think he'd, he'd be a worse. A worse offer to uh, to get involved in. So perfect. Well, uh, it's a repeat scenario. We've been asking all our guests. I say we. We've been asking all our guests. So you're locked. You're on lockdown for two weeks solid. You cannot leave the house full stop for your hour a day. You're having your food brought to you. From your experiences in rugby, people you've met, people you've worked with, who would be the absolute nightmare to be in that house with for two weeks? Marla. Marla. <laughs> <laughs> Not even waiting in there. <laughs> Just Marla. I mean, you know, I have my bad laugh. You've not seen that show. I mean, I had to have counselling off the back of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I, a good. I, I have a lot of fun actually. I, I, I'm genuinely very, very fond of him. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, and actually, funny enough, do you know he is, he is a seriously, seriously good man as well. So I had a um, scenario last year where, very sadly, I had a, a very dear, uh, my my best mate's son, who was my godson, was was not very well, unfortunately, and, and has sadly succumbed to to brain cancer. But I said to Joe, like, I'm trying to raise some money. Will you do a um, you, will you will you help me out and come and do a show with me? And we did a show in uh, in London in this venue. We had 400 people in. It was just it was basically a, a reprise of the, the House of Rugby we've done. Uh, and I said that there's a fee for you. He said, mate, don't, don't be ridiculous. Pop it straight in the pot for the, for the good cause. And there are not many guys out there yeah. um, in this day and age who would come up from Brighton on a Wednesday night and spend three hours of his time chatting rubbish, sign autographs, pose with all the fans, etc., and then say, mate, just you know, give me 20 quid for petrol and, I'll, I'll, and that's me good. He yeah. is a he is a genuinely, genuinely good man. Um, but he would I would struggle with him in a... <laughs> the other one funny enough would have been Jono I was absolutely terrified of interviewing Martin Johnson when I started out age 23-24 it was really yeah. nightmare yeah. stuff and then um, funny enough we ended up doing quite a bit of stuff together for uh, Standard Life I think it was ahead of the 2017 Lions Tour what a remarkable man I mean just really 
you don't want to get on the wrong side of him but when you sort of get into it a bit just fascinating bloke really 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 interesting guy um so i and that, and that funny enough was that that was a nice from a personal point of view it was a nice little win to move from being terrified of a bloke to to actually you know a chance to have a sandwich with him it was, it was, it was, he's an interesting guy I mean, and again another bloke who it would be so nice to see him back in the game beyond the, the country box i mean you know he is england's greatest ever and it obviously went very badly when he had his hand on the tiller but mm. um, he's just there's so much that he could and should be giving to the game um, yeah. but i'm not sure we'll see that again sadly no. so yeah just before we obviously wrap it up um Last night we had an interesting one, obviously, talking about Haskin. You mentioned slightly you went into the side of things. We're hoping that you could uh, pass on a, a cheeky message, which uh, will be going live uh, in the coming couple of weeks. So we had Mr. Bracken, Pete Bracken, on uh, last night. Um, obviously, Hask has had a few call-outs, I'd say. None a few. few. He'll have to fight today for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> Not many from the, uh, say, rugby world, but obviously Pete Bracken has called him out. Obviously, Pete's obviously been in the uh, the old octagon before. What's the, what's, what's the chances of you, say, uh, hopefully helping promote that one? Get it sorted for charity. Exactly. I can tell you, I can tell you now, and I, I've, I mean, you say he hasn't been called out by any rugby players. He's had Andy Powell, he's had Neil Best. Wow. He's had, I mean, he's, he's had some, some big units offer him a, offer him a, a tickle up. Um I can, you know, I can, I can pass on the message too. Now, has we have absolutely no interest at all in fighting Pete Bracken. I mean, they know each other from what says Haskins has, has called Pete out a few times on the show for for various things. Um, this must be the reason why Pete's brought it up. Yeah, do you know? Probably, enough, yeah. I, and he would be he would be entirely with his own own rights to do that. Um, Hask will call himself a finely tuned ultimate fighting machine and um, <laughs> will have no interest in fighting Pete Bracken. But, you know, <laughs> you know he can message him and, and he can give it a good shot. I, I, I will stay well out of it. I don't, I don't want anything to do with Hask and his fighting. I'm on front row seats on fight would, night. To be fair, if that happened at the Rico, I would more than happily buy a ticket to that. Do fight. you know something? Genuinely, I, I think he might surprise a few people when it happens. Oh, I, I think so. I think he's going to... I think there is... I, he's taking it very, very seriously, and um, I, I think he wouldn't be doing it were he not. Yeah, if he wasn't in it, to win it. Yeah, yeah. The, this the is no, this is no Flintoff kind of. Uh, um, Give it a go. Actually, I think Hatch and Flintoff have got beef as well. They might well have another fight. This isn't a sort of <laughs> PR stunt, and I'm going to wear, um, you know, Paddy Power trunks, and then that'll be it. You know, he is he's in proper, proper prime condition. He yeah. says he's better. He's, physically better now than he was when he was playing because you know he's not getting um, hold him hold him yeah. I tell and, I, and obviously I've done amateur ultra white collar and it's the same level however going from playing 80 minutes of rugby okay to going and doing a few rounds in boxing I tell you what first round gassed gone I'm like this is a whole new level so the level he's gone up to I can only imagine the training he's doing to get himself in shape I think he'll 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 generate some interesting headlines when it comes along, oh. but I I would not put a lot of money on him fighting Pete Bracken. <laughs> 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 it's just nothing respect. So, yeah, sorry, Pete, we tried, but uh, yeah, we to, uh, respect to the big man. You never know what he'll say. <laughs> I um I wouldn't hold out a lot of hope. No, it's fine. But no, Alex, it's been an absolute privilege having you on. Um, 
Thanks, chat. It's been a lot of fun. Been very cathartic. It's been um, a good, good, good session. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's flowed thankfully. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. It's, uh, it's yeah. good. It's good to good to have you on. Perfect. Really good. Thank you, chaps. Best of luck with all your endeavours, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep in touch and look forward to seeing how you guys fare. That's great. Thanks very much. Cheers.